Great. All right, everybody's here. Um, let me find my agenda. Thank you. All right. Welcome to the Marin County Planning Commission meeting for Monday, July 31st. First on our agenda is call to order roll call. Here. Here. You got it. Very good. Excellent. Feely, I'm here. No, not at all. Welcome, um, Cindy. Thank you for being here. And. Um, Yep. Okay, so initial transactions, we need to approve the minutes from the July 10th meeting. I was absent, so can I get a motion or a discussion if there's any amendments? I'll make the motion to approve the minutes. Okay, Commissioner Stepanisetch moved to approve the minutes. Second. Second by um, Commissioner Curran. All in favor? Aye. Abstaining. Um, are there any communications that the commissioners would like to report? Um, Communications that have happened outside of the meeting. Hearing none, let's move on to the director's report. Hi, Jeremy. Good afternoon. Thank you all for coming this afternoon. Uh, I sent out a preliminary agenda. Uh, hopefully you received it. We've got a couple things coming up. Uh, on August 14th, we're going to have a workshop on the proposed development code amendments related to the inclusionary housing requirements in Marin County Code Chapter 20 through 22. And uh, this is related to an updated nexus study, which is a study of, um, of essentially fees, impact fees, and um, affordable housing fees. And um, when we say workshop, of course, it is a public hearing. Um, but what we mean by that is that it's a public hearing for you to consider the changes, but there's not going to be a resolution for you to adopt. Um, the following on August 28th is the actual, what we call hearing for that. Of course, every time you meet, it's a hearing. Um, but that's when there's going to be um, a, a actual resolution. So it gives you the opportunity to comment at the workshop and then us the opportunity to make any changes that you want to see and then bring it right back to you. So that's going to be August 14th and August 28th. Um, I think on the 14th, I may, um, the Board of Supervisors has adopted a work plan for uh, the planning division and the rest of the county. Um, so I think I may kind of update you on that um, during that uh, hearing as well, uh, during the director's report. Um, on September 11th, and we'll see how this goes, but tentatively we're, we've scheduled the Talis subdivision design review. So this is the rest of those um, single family residential lots uh, related to the Oakview master plan. Uh, related to the, the Oakview Master Plan. Oakview, thank you. Thought yep. you said and opium. The, <laughs> and the Oak, which was the uh, right, right. residential care facility a number of years ago. Thank you. Uh, and then September 28th, we don't have anything scheduled uh, so far. Um, one quick note: uh, these microphones are directional and very persnickety, so you really kind of have to have them right facing towards your uh, face when you're when you're speaking. And that will make it so much easier for our uh, um, administrative staff to actually uh, do the record keeping after the fact. So I really appreciate it if you can speak right into that microphone. Um, so with that, I think uh, we're ready to move on to the uh, hearing for this afternoon. Uh, 
Yes, Commissioner Dickinson. Uh, Jeremy, I have a question about the um, inclusionary um, amendments. Yeah. Does that involve, I mean, the study involved the fee, uh, the in lieu fee. Are, is the Planning Commission involved with that portion of it, or the, are these other code amendments? Yeah, it's a good question. So the, uh, there are other code amendments. The actual amount of money, it, it is actually updated um, on an annual basis by the board. Um, but there needs to be the framework for that to happen. Uh, and then there are also some uh, text changes which need to go along with that. Okay. Yeah, we'll get Thank those you. to you as soon as possible. So could I ask some more about that? Yes. So the text changes, they're related only to the fee issue or are they substantive, other substantive and regulatory changes? There's other substantive and regulatory changes, but they're not, I mean, it's all significant, I suppose, but it's not like a, a wholesale change of the way that we're handling affordable housing requirements. Okay, I, since I am new to in this inclusionary requirement, I would appreciate if in the staff report or at some point you could address how the inclusionary requirement works with the new state bonuses. How the two work together or how they work separately, however it is. You mean housing how bonuses. we think they should work together? Of course. <laughs> well, what, what are, what are our county council advises us the relationship between the two things is. Mm -hmm. It would be very useful to understand. Yeah, you're deep, deep waters there, so. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but we will have to face that at some point because we will have projects that need to be interpreted as responding to one or the other or both. Or yep. someone will have projects. They may not come to the planning commission, but. We'll do our best. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we'll muddle our way forward together. Um, Commissioner Dickinson. Uh, uh, Jeremy, I have one other request, and that is <coughs> uh, in the future, can we have a listing of pending uh, SB 35 and SB 330 projects? I have people ask me about it, and I mean, a few of them I know about, other ones I don't, and it would be helpful just to have a list of of what applications under those two Senate bills are actually pending? Sure, yeah, we can provide that. I mean, we get very, very few SB 330 applications be because for a county, there's not very much benefit for um, developers to do that. And the county is no longer subject right. to SB 35. So we, we have none for the previous requirement. Right, but there are at least one or two currently pending. There was, yeah, there's one which has been approved, that's it. Yeah. Okay, uh, now it's time for, open time for public expression. If there are any members of the public who would like to address mm -hmm. the Planning Commission on items that are not currently on the agenda, now is the time to do so. Okay, I'm not seeing any, so we will move on to our first agenda, well, our fourth agenda item, um, the Brian Johnson Trust Coastal Permit and Subsequent Mitigated Negative Declaration. Hi, Sabrina. Hi. So um, we have Sabrina <coughs> here to uh, discuss this continued item. And uh, you may remember, how long ago was it? 2021. Okay, you may not remember, but in 2021, uh, the uh, proposed project came forward to your commission uh, and um, 
your commission asked for additional study uh, and had some suggestions about uh, changes. Uh, we took that back and um, have been working on it since. Um, we're bringing it back to your commission today. We have uh, Sabrina Cardoza here to give the presentation. Uh, we also have um, Dan Sicular of Sicular Environmental uh, to talk about the environmental review that was done. And uh, they're going to share, I think, the presentation. Uh, so Sabrina, I want to take it away. Good afternoon, commissioners. It's been a while since I've been back. So um, since the previous hearing, there are a few new commissioners. So I'd like to welcome you and introduce myself. My name is Sabrina Cardoza. I'm a senior planner with the planning division. So good afternoon, Chair Bealey and um, uh, the rest of the commission. Before you today is the consideration of the Brian Johnson Coastal Permit, which again, um, this hearing is a continuance of the November 22nd, um, 2021 hearing. Um, we'll also be um, considering the subsequent mitigated negative declaration, which was completed for the project. Um, like Jeremy mentioned before, um, your commission had asked us to do additional um, evaluation of the CEQA environmental review, as well as taking evaluations, specifically looking at um, environmentally sensitive habitat areas. Um, we are joined here in the hearing today with um, representatives of the applicant, the applicant being Brian Johnson of the Brian Johnson Trust. So um, I see that Sue Kinsey um, representing CivicNet is here. Um, we also have um, additional staff here with us if you have any questions. Um, we have Maurice Armstrong from the Department of Public Works for Land Development, and we also have our environmental planning staff here as well, Rachel Reed and Tammy Taylor. Uh, we also have um, Deputy Council Brandon Halter from County Council. Um, so we have a fully loaded roster today. Um, again, just to orient ourselves, the project is located in Stinson Beach. Um, specifically in um, on 21 Calle del Onda in Stinson Beach. Um, this is the last um, property um, along that street. Um, currently, it's a 15,200 square foot lot. Um, it is vacant, um, but there are remains of a previous development that was there. As we all know from last time, there was about a 540 square foot residence on the property that had um, been destroyed previously in the 1980s. Um, so since the time we last looked at this project um, in that hearing, um, the application was revised by the applicant. Um, this was taking into consideration some of the merits comments from the previous hearing um, and things like that. So what was presented in November of 2021 was a um, 1,500 square foot home, so 1,563 square feet of floor area. Um, there was also a 288 square foot detached garage, a new septic system, and then um, other site improvements like a driveway, decks, and landscaping improvements. Um, so since the um, continuance, the project was revised to a reduced scale, um, a 1,296 square foot house, um, a floor area. There's no longer a detached garage um, or any covered parking. Um, the septic system is still being proposed. Um, there were no changes to the septic design. Um, and then there are still some other improvements such as um, the driveway, which didn't change in design as well. Um, there are some reduced decks and then still some landscaping improvements. 
So this um, image on the screen was the site plan from the original hearing. Um, so you can see there um, was a larger footprint home, um, a detached garage, and things like that. Um, and the project was revised to have a reduced scope. It's kind of hard to see it on the screen, um, but there is the outline of the previous footprint. Um, so those have been removed along with the um, previously proposed garage. Um, the little image on the right-hand side of the screen represents um, the adjusted string line. Um, the string line is a policy in the local coastal program that looks at taking a line of development using adjacent, um, uh, adjacent structures. So previously, um, when the project had been proposed, there was an incorrect string line used. So the string line um, used for the site plan this time around um, represents a line taken from the immediately adjacent structures, as you see in that image. Um, so these are the revised elevations. Um, so the previous project included kind of more of a loft, so it was a taller structure. Um, the revised project has been reduced to just one story. It still is elevated to comply with FEMA standards. Um, so you'll see that the foundation structure of the proposed project includes um, elevation on piers. So the image on the screen here just shows the north and east elevations. And then the next screen um, shows images of the west and south elevations. Um, and so I'd like to hand over um, the presentation to Dan Sicular, who is with um, the consulting group that the county hired to conduct the environmental review, so he can walk us through what we did. Thank you, Sabrina. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners, Chair Beely. Uh, my name is Dan Sicular with Sicular Environmental Consulting. I'd also like to introduce my team members who are here today, too. We have Brian Pittman, certified wildlife biologist, uh, Justin Taplin, hydrologist, and Peter Hudson, certified engineering geologist, and together we prepared uh, the, the environmental review. Um, so just to touch on the, uh, the history, uh, the CEQA history of the project, uh, the Stinson Beach County Water District was the lead agency for a 2020 CEQA initial study that led to a mitigated negative, negative declaration for uh, a variance for a septic system for this property. The initial study uh, mitigated negative declaration identified and mitigated several construction-related impacts uh, for the project. And um, uh, it did also look, uh, in addition to the septic system, while there wasn't a specific proposal for a house on the property at that time, that document did look generally at impacts of a future development of a single-family residence. Uh, following the November 22nd, 2021 uh, Planning Commission hearing, county staff determined the need for additional environmental review, looking more specifically at the potential impacts of development of a residence on the property. So the county contracted with my firm to, pre to prepare a supplemental environmental review, which is similar in scope to a, a, a CEQA initial study and looks specifically at whether uh, the, there would be any new or uh, 
or substantially more severe significant impacts of the project now being proposed. Uh, next slide, please. So we examined the impacts of the currently proposed project, both the construction of the 1,296 square foot residence and the septic system. Uh, we identified three additional significant impacts not previously identified in the, uh, the, the water district's initial study. Uh, two of those were re related to construction, an air quality impact and a noise, actually a vibration impact from pile driving. Those really are related to the proximity of the site to existing residences in the neighborhood. And a third impact, uh, a biological resources impact uh, because a portion of the project site is, uh, is sand dune and considered environmentally sensitive habitat area or ESHA uh, in the local coastal program. Um, we developed new mitigation measures which were agreed to by the applicant uh, to mitigate all three of these impacts to less than significant. And so we conclude that the appropriate uh, path to completion of your CEQA obligation is to adopt a new mitigated negative declaration. Uh, I'd like to highlight a little bit uh, about the dune impact. Um, so the project site, we mapped it as containing about 1,573 square feet of coastal dune habitat, which as I say is considered environmentally sensitive habitat area or ESHA in the local coastal program. The project would disturb or remove about 1,100 square feet of ESHA. Uh, you should also uh, be aware that while it is considered uh, from a regulatory standpoint to be environmentally sensitive habitat area, it is because of the isolation of the small bit of, co of coastal dune, because of past disturbance of the site and its proximity to uh, a very uh, well-used resident um, recreational beach, uh, the, the dune has very low biological value. Still, we identified it as a significant impact and uh, included a mitigation measure to prepare and implement a dune restoration plan to restore an equal area of dune habitat uh, with native vegetation. And uh, this dune restoration plan uh, is consistent with uh, a provision in the local coastal program implementing program that uh, requires uh, habitat mitigation for uh, proposed development that is a permissible use within an ESHA um, where um, uh, uh, there is not the opportunity to, uh, to move the development outside of the ESHA area. Um, Next slide, please. And I, we just included a, a slide of a, another property further up the beach that has a restored dune. And um, Brian, my biologist, uh, points out that this was actually restored with uh, of a European beach grass, uh, not native, which would be required uh, under the habitat uh, restoration plan in our mitigation measure. Um, I'd also like to point out that, uh, as is, uh, Sabrina clearly pointed out in her staff report, while there is still a policy conflict for the project because of its location within ESHA and the destruction of ESHA, uh, 
we have we believe that we have resolved the environmental issue uh, in terms of CEQA uh, because we uh, have fully mitigated the impact. Um, so under CEQA, uh, a, um, a policy conflict without an underlying physical impact on the environment is not a significant impact. So there's that distinction. Um, I'll pass it back to Sabrina. Um, so with Dan's presentation, I wanted to point out a couple of revisions we'd like to recommend to the um, proposed um, re recommended resolution. Specifically, when it comes to the mitigations that Dan had mentioned about the dune restoration, um, in the proposed resolution on page 25, um, there actually should be some corrections as to the dune restoration plan. Um, under condition seven, yeah, for sure. Um, so it's page 25, and then it starts um, condition seven. Understood. Pagination doesn't work with the version that we got. But it's the same content. Are shown on the slide. And when you're ready, I can um, go over it. Um, so the correction here is to include um, some corrections from the response to comments. Um, in the response to comment, which was, um, you know, an additional document um, following comments that were received after the SMND had been published, um, we had revised the mitigation um, to one in item A, the dune inventory, just to um, update the figures that were used. Um, so the original figure that's in strikeout, that was in um, referred to in the original um, supplemental environmental review. And so this figure MR2-1 is reflected in the response to comments, which is the most up-to-date um, response and review. And then there should be an item at the very end of this same condition. Um, this would be um, item I, and then a sub item eight, that just adds that area is the total area of restored dune shall be equal to or greater than the area identified as dune habitat in the dune inventory. Um, so that was included in the response to comments document and wasn't um, included in the um, recommended resolution, but should be reflected as such. And then the next one I just want to point out, this is specifically for the CEQA resolution. So this is your attachment number two. Um, we received a comment this morning from uh, Commissioner Stefanisic. Thank you very much for this. Um, he pointed out that um, the CEQA resolution didn't actually have an action for you to take. So on the screen, um, we're proposing to revise the resolution to take out that vesting section, which was section two that shouldn't have been there. 
um, and to include the actual action that we're recommending you take, which is to certify the subsequent mitigated negative declaration for the project. Um, so that kind of reflects our standard language there. Um, and vesting occurs um, you know, through the development process, so that um, doesn't need to be there and is in the recommended project resolution. Um, so as for a couple other comments that um, we received from Commissioner Stepanovich this morning, um, um, I just wanted to point out, um, so we received a question about, um, you know, whether or not we had looked at what approximate square footage of the proposed residence would be if it was located entirely outside of the ESHA. Um, and in the environmental review, um, the biologists had identified um, all the different areas of the site and how many square feet of ESHA there are. Um, and it was identified that there's approximately like 3,500 square feet of area that is outside of ESHA. Um, so if we look at that, that area would be available for some potential development. However, this is like a 20 foot wide area. If I can just quickly go back to the, um, the site plan. So between where the house and where the septic system is, is really this area that's identified as, um, you know, ice plant area. So this is what would kind of remain outside of the ESHA area, which is kind of more towards um, the south side, towards the ocean. Um, so to answer the question, there would be approximately 3,500 square feet of space there that isn't identified as ESHA. However, um, we still want to point out that there is the constraint still of other policy issues, specifically the AO flood zone, which is still the floodplain. Um, so that's just something we wanted to point out. Um, and then another question that we received was about the recent, sorry, I'm going to go back to my spot in the presentation. Um, so another question we received was regarding the septic approval. So um, again, there was a variance approval that was um, issued by the Stinson Beach County Water District um, since they have jurisdiction over septic permits. Um, we received information from the Water District on Friday the 21st um, regarding the expiration of that variance. Um, so the, the expiration of the variance would not affect the coastal permit um, because the design has been, um, you know, adequately provided such that they would be able to obtain approval as evidenced, evidenced by the previous variance. Of course, they would have to go back to the, um, the water district and pursue um, the, the required um, permits. And through the development process, you know, prior to the issuance of a building permit is when um, the applicants would have to provide approval of a septic system. Um, so with those few clarifications, um, I just wanted to provide the recommendation that we're bringing today is um, to, one, adopt the subsequent mitigated negative declaration, including the revisions that we just reviewed um, to the CEQA reso and then to, to conditionally approve the project. Thank you. I'll just add one thing about next steps as well. Um, so depending on what your commission does today, um, there are going to be 
appeals possible. Uh, so if your commission decides to approve the project today, then uh, a, the, either the applicant or a member of the public could appeal that decision to the Board of Supervisors. They could also appeal that decision directly to the Coastal Commission without going to the Board of Supervisors. If your uh, commission decides to deny the application today, then either the applicant or a member of the public could <coughs> appeal that decision to the Board of Supervisors, but denials are not appealable to the Coastal Commission. With that, if you have any questions, we're here to do what we can to answer them. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy, and thank you, Sabrina. Commissioner Dickinson. Uh, my question, and you may or may not be able to answer this, is the letter from the Water District clearly stated that the permit expired um, 11 days ago, I guess now, July 20th, and that there is no extension possible and that the applicant would have to submit a new application. Do we have any information whether any of the regulations that apply to that septic, new septic system have changed since 2020 when the last permit was approved? Um, I did not receive anything from the water district indicating Beyond that. just a letter that we got a copy of. Right. Okay, it, that, that didn't say, it just did indicate that they would have to start all over again. They couldn't extend the existing permit then. Yeah, I think that's administrative procedure. They're not allowed to extend variances. Um, we're not aware of any changes to the regulations. Okay, thank you. Any other questions from commissioners of staff? Uh, just a commissioner quick question. Uh, mm -hmm. With regards to looking out to residents, and I'm just curious again as to where the ESHA falls here. If you look at the residents, uh, how far there's a, there's a line that shows a vegetated line of vegetation. Is does the um, ESHA extend no further inland from that point? Is I actually Dan? Can I hand that to you? Yes, and actually I'll I'll hand it to. Brian, if you if you're okay. And then if we could display the PowerPoint, please. So I believe uh, good good afternoon. I'm Brian Pittman with Environmental Science Associates, a senior wildlife biologist, and happy to be here today. Um, I believe the question about where that where the line falls on the the dune uh, vegetation was answered in by a figure in the response to comments, which would be figure MR-1. Is that correct, Dan? 2-1? I think so. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's available in your packet. We don't have it available as a slide. Um, so specifically, um, about halfway through that. Probably about halfway. It's uh, the dune is narrower on the northern side of the property than on the southern, and it widens out toward the south. Yeah, I was just interested in a, an approximation as to where that uh, area fell. So, yeah, thank you, Mr. Lind. So, you may want to stay up there. I don't. I have a follow-up on that response. So, when I was reading the description of the Esha relative to the ice plant. And the different, I was, I was asking, I came with a need for clarification about the status. It seemed like it was the ice plant area was both in the Esha and 
uh, out of the Escha, but the status of ice plant made it a quasi-Escha under Coastal Commission interpretation. Is that correct? Or did I misconstrue it? Yes and no. It's a, it's a nuanced issue. Um, when ice plant is on a dune, it is absolutely Escha. And when ice plant is not on a dune, it's not Escha. So the presence of ice plant would not make it in itself an Escha, which is the state of about, uh, what we were saying, 3,500 square feet or something of the property. But all of that area has ice plant that we've been discussing. Right. It's and so as, as part of the dune mitigation, then that area would be restored one for one or greater, depending on the configuration needed to make it workable. Correct. Yeah, there's a lot of ice plant that can come out back there. And what's the period of time before the native vegetation is well enough established to be considered surviving? Oh, it's a good question. I think the performance standard might be five years with um, uh, annual monitoring on that is, is standard. And, you know, the, the non-natives come out, the natives come in, and then there's adaptive mitigation or adaptive management to, to bring that up to a healthy standard. And, and what happens if it fails? Well, that would be the ice plant coming back, I imagine. Um, then you would take out the ice plant. And in those cases, there's usually a, well, I'm going to say, there's a contingency in the mitigation measure to, to revisit that. And the, the um, length of period, the period of time when you're reviewing it would simply extend until you meet that threshold. Can it be bonded? Oh, I don't know. Okay. No, cannot be bonded. Okay. Okay, thank you. Other questions for staff? Commissioner Curran. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if this is the, the, the time, but, um, but in some of the correspondence that we received, there was a, um, a, a, a request for postponement based on the timeliness of the availability of materials to review. And I just know if staff has a uh, 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 comment on that or whether that staff believes that that in fact that we are have a problem there or not no I mean uh, I, there's no problem we uh, provided all the information including the initial study uh, well before uh, any legal requirement uh, and uh, of course it's a lot to digest um, but this application has been around for quite some time as well and um, we believe that uh, with response to comments and the other information provided, there has been sufficient time to review and, um, and respond to those. Uh, hopefully you feel the same. <laughs> it's your co really up to your commission. Commissioner Dickinson. Uh, Jeremy, along the same line, follow up. I was surprised that we scheduled a special meeting for this item as opposed to one of our normal uh, our regularly scheduled meetings, uh, and particularly because uh, one of the three attorneys on the um, commission, who also happens to be the um, planning commission representing the fourth district, who also in the past was a coastal commissioner, and therefore has a lot of knowledge, has a scheduled vacation now. And I'm just curious why we couldn't have waited till the August meeting or done it at the previously scheduled uh, July meeting, why 
why are we holding this special? Yeah, so um, the um, review was supposed to have been completed earlier, and that's what we had indicated to the applicant. Um, as you know, the application has been delayed considerably. Um, this is the first time we've done a takings analysis, and um, it, the internal review for that takings analysis ended up taking longer than we had anticipated. Um, so essentially, we agreed to schedule this as quickly as possible, even though it's very unusual for us to, um, to schedule a special hearing such as this. So we really appreciate all of you being here, and um, unfortunately, Commissioner Dester is not able to be here today, but um, we appreciate all of you coming on a special date like this. Any other questions for staff? Uh, Commissioner Morales, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, Hi. Um, I'm not sure if I'm missing it in the package, but is there a more detailed plan about what the restoration dune plan will look like? And where is that going to be located? And when is that scheduled to start? If the construction, assuming that the plan gets approved. Dan, would you like to respond to that? Uh, the requirements for the um, dune restoration plan are included <coughs> excuse me, in the Supplemental Environmental Review itself in the Biological Resources section. There's some small revisions that uh, Sabrina uh, asked you to incorporate that are in the response to comments document. Um, there is no uh, dune restoration plan yet. There's just a requirement to prepare one. Um, and uh, that would be um, believe prior to issue issuance of a building permit and that's standard by the way for CEQA documents to have mitigation measures that will call for restoration um, if there's biological impacts but um, that is not developed until after the project has been approved any other questions for staff Okay, um, so we will close the staff report portion of the hearing and move on to the public comment portion of the hearing. Um, <clears throat> so the applicant will have 10 minutes um, to present. Mr. Kinsey. The applicant does have a PowerPoint presentation, so I'll have that loaded. Great, thanks Sabrina. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you all for this opportunity to present the project on behalf of the applicant. Uh, I want to thank the staff uh, for uh, bringing forward their application, I mean, their, their presentation. Um, I, I think the one point I would make to all of you is that from the very day that uh, our firm be, got involved in this project, we recognized that this was likely to be a constitutional issue as much as it was a planning issue. Um, the um, situation in the Calles of Stinson Beach is that um, by this determination that the underlying sandy soils uh, are ESHA, regardless of how they've been developed or disturbed, um, much of the Calles going forward um, will be subject to a takings analysis uh, based on that determination. And so it becomes an especially important issue to understand Perhaps you can bring up, uh, oh, I see the, um, 
text there, but I think the key point I'd like to make on the first slide is that uh, as difficult as this has been, as expensive as it has been for the applicant, the levels of environmental review and re-review that have occurred, at this stage, the owners do accept the staff's recommendations. I wanted you to know that going into this. And uh, if you go to the next slide, please. The point here is that we were here, you know, a couple years ago uh, with some of you who are on the dais today, and we heard your comments, we heard your concerns, and we have responded to those concerns. Um, we removed uh, the small portion of the previous design that was on the sandy beach and pulled back into only the vegetated areas. And in fact, the design is limited to being between the areas that are not on the sandy beach and the areas that are uh, fall under the Escoot Creek uh, category. And so that leaves us with only 32 feet across the property. And the point that you made, Commissioner, about it, how much area there is that wouldn't be ESHA if it isn't ESHA, it would be in the flood zone of Escoot Creek, which has been notified by the county and the Coastal Commission as being unable to be pursuing development in those areas. So it would also be a takings issue uh, if you were to push into that area. We, we've come back with a smaller home. Uh, we reduced it in size from 1,563 feet to 1,286 below the community average in spite of the fact that it is a large lot, much larger than the existing surrounding lots. We reduced the deck areas by over half. Um, we've agreed to a dune restoration plan that will cover virtually all of the remainder of the site. And we really spent a fair amount of time digging into the extensive home ownership uh, history of this property. The Johnson family has owned it since 1937 when it was a new subdivision out in Stinson Beach, and it's been passed along through generations of family members, but there has been significant investment not only in the taxes paid, but also in the development costs associated with bringing this application forward now. Next slide, please. The project also uh, pays close attention to the Coastal Commission's sea level rise guidance. Of course, all of us, uh, from the commission itself, the Coastal Commission, to your commission, to we as uh, interested community members, are very uh, attentive to what the implications are for sea level rise. Um, I think it's important for you to know that um, the habitable area that's set aside is above any projected storm flooding. Um, this would be one of the aspects of this project that doesn't exist in most of the homes in the Calles. It will be set above the FEMA uh, flooding standard and, and expected to be fully above that for 50 years or more. Um, most importantly, they have waived the, their right to shoreline protection. The Coastal Act does allow for existing properties to pursue coastal protection, but the Coastal Commission doesn't want to see projects have coastal protection and that's an issue that's currently heavily debated in the courts, but without any debate, the owners have waived their right to future shoreline protection. They've agreed that they'll remove the entire, uh, entirety of development, including all of the foundations, any of the septic system, any of the driveway, uh, at some time uh, when the county uh, or other public agency determines that the site is no longer safe or habitable. Um, 
and so they are committing now to a, a future permit to remove all of that. Um, they are indemnifying all public agencies so that the risk lies solely with themselves. Um, they've recorded deed restrictions or will that will bind all future owners to the same terms and they will notify any buyer at such time if they choose to sell uh, of all of these requirements. Next slide, please. Now this one is not intended to show you that this is gonna become the future Calles Island, but um, if the writing weren't showing, weren't obscuring the screen, what you would see is that even in the most conservative 6.6 .6 feet of sea level rise, the site, this site sits above uh, the sea level. So the main point here is not that they could survive uh, and stay at 6.6 .6 feet, but it is to point out how this is a uniquely high elevation uh, amongst all of the Calle neighborhood. Thank you. Next slide, please. Now the Escoot Creek, this is another issue that's of interest, is that uh, Escoot Creek is within the flood zone and the county and the Coastal Commission have said that no new development can occur within the Escoot Creek flood zone. If you can see to the right-hand side of the slide, um, clearly uh, between the, the blue that represents uh, ocean flooding and then the other color there on the site that represents the Escoot Creek flood zone, but then the, the uh, hatched area rec uh, reflects the most recent study that the county has had done with Environmental uh, Science Associates, ESA, that actually models the site and shows that the anticipation of, coast, of, of creek flooding will not reach the site. This is the same conclusion that our coastal engineer uh, presented earlier in the project. Um, it's also, um, I think, important as it relates to any risks that might exist around the septic system itself um, it, it does not appear to be at risk from Escoot Creek flooding now or in the future. Next slide. Uh, all of us were uh, quite concerned about the impacts of the January storm in Stinson Beach. There were a number of homes that were damaged. Uh, there was one septic system that was completely destroyed. A number of other properties were flooded. But the, the um, environmental document, uh, Mr. Uh, Sicular's uh, document uh, states that there was no evidence that the project site had experienced flooding. He also pointed out that by April, so just a few short months later, uh, much of the sand that had been eroded from the beach face during the January storm had moved back on shore and a beach berm was beginning to reform. This is completely consistent with the storms that have happened on about a 10-year cycle out in the Stinson Beach area where the storms take away the sand, and then the tide brings it back over a series of months. Um, so I think that that's an important thing to recognize as it relates to any possible consideration coming out of the January storms. Next slide. There are protections and neighborhood benefits uh, that we associate with this. Um, obviously, if you accept this, and characterize it as I think you must by the local coastal program that the county adopted. Um, the, this is the historic protection of beach dune habitat um, that's called for in the local coastal program. 
the highest level of protection that the county has ever imposed on any property in the Stinson Beach area. It also provides a voluntary donation of a substantial portion of the property to the public's use uh, on the state park side of the property, on the ocean side of the property, um, and it's being donated uh, at this time. It's designed to meet the highest safety and hazard standards more than any of the other properties that were previously developed in Stinson Beach. It's set above the flood uh, heights. Um, it has high quality construction of materials. Um, it is built to be a durable feature through storms and the impacts of climate change in the future. And at this point, at the size that it is, it is a modest structure. Next slide. I'll just briefly say that um, the septic perimeter containment, which has been a concern for some, would only extend four feet deep. It uh, has, was determined not to be a shoreline protection device by the environmental document. It has to be removed if the system is compromised and it adds to the health and safety of the area. The owner's development expectations are reasonable. Next slide. And then finally, um, the owner's request that this commission recognize the challenges that exist, but the law as well, and approve the staff recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kinsey. Okay, um, I have two slips for people who would like to um, address the commission. If there's anyone else who would like to address the commission, if you wouldn't mind filling out uh, a pink slip and letting us know who you are. Um, the first speaker is Scott Ty, Surf Rider Foundation. Um, you have five minutes. Yep. Thank you, commissioners. Um, Scott Ty with Marin Surfrider Foundation. First, you asked the question, why would the Surfrider Foundation be interested? Well, we have 700 members, paid members, family members, and there's several thousand who recreate out at Stinson Beach in the surf, uh, boogie boards, surfboards, kayaks, you name it. Um, so we have a vested interest, particularly in water quality. And as you heard, Mr. Kenzie mentioned the fact that one septic system was totally destroyed by the storm in January. There were 11 other septic systems that were locked down and turned into holding tanks. So the picture is much bigger than one. It's more like 12, and you can call them and ask them that. But first of all, with all due respect, um, there is no project without a wastewater permit. None whatsoever. That's why the applicant um, went to the water district first. And as I said in November of 2021, the water board voted two to two, so they, they bumped on it and they didn't decide to issue a permit. They, the water district was sued by the applicant. It went to superior court and the judge, before even talking about taking, because he knows what the taking rules are and the checklist, 
he said, you need to do an environmental report. So the first environmental report that was done on this property was at the direction of Superior Court based on the fact that there was not adequate answers to the questions. They did it specifically, and in their report, they did it just on the effects that the wastewater system would have or would be affected by the location. Since the January storm, and it's very easy to show all of the pre-storm pictures and plot maps and everything, the beach was cut in half, and Mr. Kinsey alluded to the fact that it was cut back. The ice plant and the dune was actually cut by a third. And I'll show you, just for, just for grins, in your environmental SER, the very first page has a picture of the story poles and the dunes. All the story poles but one post went down. That should tell you something. Um, but the reality is the beach does come back. Summer and winter beaches move back and forth. But the dunes will not come back in any measurable quality, just as they haven't down in the federal park. And the federal park lost two-thirds of its beach dunes in 1983, and then again lost more beach dunes in this January storm. So there's some very, very key issues that need to be addressed. There isn't the envelope for development of putting up this proposed project and the wastewater system. The wastewater system has a setback to water. It's 100 feet. The water district actually gave them an allowance of 30 feet, so it went down to 70 feet. Right now, where the wastewater system is, is projected to be plotted, they couldn't meet 35 to 45 feet. So I don't believe that the Regional Water Quality Control Board or EPA or, or Cal OSHA or anybody else is going to say you can put this system on this lot. There's not enough room for the setbacks for that plus the development. So it's really key that you get more information on distance to wet sand, not just in the summer, but also in the winter. Because the winter is what's going to affect the wastewater system. It will also affect the house. It will also affect access. So these are some key issues. But I want to continue by saying um, um, some of the omissions that the staff, uh, I call them errors, omissions, and deletions. For instance, in November 2021, when I talked to you on Zoom, you had several agencies submit comments. They were federal agencies. It was the Gulf of the Farallones with NOAA, and it was National Marine Fisheries. That should be in your packets. It's not. It didn't get forwarded with any of the attachments, and they were absolutely against allowing for this kind of encroachment into their area. NOAA is actually wherever the wet sand, wherever the ocean comes, that's their jurisdiction. So it's just something to think about. Thank you. Elizabeth Brekus, um, you have three minutes.
want to um, make sure that you understand that the adjoining neighbors are very concerned about this project uh, because while it's great that the applicant is prepared to move out of the property if it is ever impacted, uh, the neighbors will be impacted by any development that is there and that's their greatest concern. Um, I'd like to also just talk about the fact that this is a special meeting. We did have a prior meeting and um, you know, I, the point that uh, uh, Chair Dressler was not able to be at this meeting is upsetting to us because she had a lot of great comments and a lot of questions that she wanted answered the next meeting. And so we'd like to really encourage the um, commission to continue this item, uh, not only to get some further answers, make sure all the materials are included, which I don't think they are, and we've raised that issue, but also so that you can have a regular set meeting, which would be to the benefit of the public and to yourselves in making this really important decision. Uh, the square footage of the home, uh, according to staff, is 540 square feet. Uh, we had calculated 450. But we just want to point out that a smaller home can be uh, built here and should be looked at. And if it is, the takings analysis then uh, is relating to whether any development can occur. And while we don't entirely agree with uh, the county's assessment of the taking, we certainly believe a smaller structure, it can't be disputed that a smaller structure uh, limited, built, and then uh, no takings would occur. Uh, we also would like to um, point out that uh, the point that Scott made, which I think is a really good one, which is the environmental review that was originally done specifically states that the scope of it was for the septic system. And without that septic system, um, and the question was, was, was well put, you know, what regulations have occurred? Well, in addition to the regulations, what facts have occurred? And we know that there has been substantial flooding. We know that there have been a lot of septic system failure and problems. So that will be looked at and raised again. Um, so again, we also think it should be um, uh, that there should be a discussion in the staff report and analysis of the fact that right now we're approving the property without a septic. Uh, the flooding condition is a new condition and I, we do take issue with the analysis that was done regarding the flooding. Um, the statement was that a site inspection occurred two weeks after the incident. Of course, no, uh, a site inspection two weeks later is not gonna show any evidence of flooding. And um, the analysis that was done at that point is just very circular and not deep enough to, uh, to make any kind of a uh, conclusion on that point. So again, we would like to see this item continued. Uh, and we think that your questions about where this structure could be built, what part of the lot has what restrictions and what, uh, why the 3,500 square feet that is not ESHA cannot be built should be answered uh, at a follow-up hearing. Uh, finally, I'd like to point out that um, the impact of sea level rise um, is not being well addressed by staff. We know that it is going to be impactful and saying that it is going to be, uh, that, that property is going to be elevated above by 6.6 .6, uh, feet 
is simply not sufficient to address what is new news every day about additional rise levels we're hearing about. Uh, so there should be an analysis not only of um, the septic system, which is of concern, but also the structure to the other homes around. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else um, in the public who would like to address the commission before we close the public comment portion of the meeting? I don't see any, so I'm going to close public comment and bring it back to the commission for questions, comments, etc. Our commissioner representing the district, as everybody has noted, is not here, so is there anyone who wants to wade forward? Comments, questions? Commissioner Dickinson. Um, in, in terms of questions, uh, one of the things that would happen through an EIR would be you'd look at alternatives, such as an alternative that avoids um, encroachment into the ash at all. Through this um, subsequent environmental review and mitigated negative declaration, we don't have the opportunity to look at that. But I'm just curious whether in the analysis um, there was any consideration of a smaller house that respects the ESHA, which presumably would require a smaller septic system. Um, and <clears throat> obviously, in terms of comments, this is um, t this is the first time we've dealt with taking issue, which is, as you indicated, Jeremy, is largely a legal issue. <laughs> and not one that we typically deal with, but I think the decision we make on this um, has the potential to set significant precedent in terms of what we may be facing in the future, particularly with the um, situation uh, occurring with sea level rise and, and, um, uh, and other constraints. But has any alternative I mean, I appreciate the fact that the applicant, um, in response to the hearing 20 months ago, has revised the project to make it better than it was at that point. But I'm just curious whether anyone's gone beyond that to say, probably a smaller house that respects the ESHA, would that still allow the property owner use reasonable use of this property? Uh, well, yes and no. I think um, in terms of the septic system, those are very technical, obviously. So uh, it would be speculation on our part to indicate that, um, you know, a reduced size home would necessarily redu reduce the size of the septic system by a particular amount. So I don't think anybody looked at, you know, what changes to the septic system might result from a smaller home. But there was internal discussion about the size of the home. Um, and uh, of course, your commission weighed in earlier um, about the second story and the garage and other things. Uh, and those were the changes that were made. Um, now, you know, Tegan's analysis and these policy issues, there's no bright line test. Um, so we are looking about what would be feasible uh, for the applicant and um, looking at it in the terms of the takings analysis overall. 
um, but we can't say specifically that you know you could um, make the size of the home smaller um, and uh, without risking uh, uh, takings. I think that would be speculative on our part. Commissioner Curran. As has been pointed out, this is not the first time this has been before us, and it's been a long time in process, and it's just a tremendous amount of um, documentation. Uh, uh, personally, uh, I, I hope that we go forward and approve this today because I think that the, the house is significantly smaller and very small for the, a lot of its size, um, as it should be because of the Not just dunes, but the but the, the 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 floodplain and everything. But I think this um, has been well analyzed. Uh, the responses to the problems that have been raised, um, it's been shrunk. Uh, the dune restoration has been expanded. Um, the the septic permit has lapsed, sadly, and the timing is kind of uh, uh, so tight on that. Um, but it is what it is. Um, but my understanding from what's been said, and it was a question I was going to ask, but you answered it in advance, was that can that be made a condition of the building permit? And it would be. Of course, it can't go forward without an appropriate wastewater permit um, from that agency. Um, and so uh, I, I really feel like this is a very, very modest and with the mitigations proposed appropriate project for the site. It does not extend the footprint of building out beyond what's, what is in that, in that particular neighborhood. Um, it's, uh, it's, it, really, um, it really, in my humble opinion, uh, would likely constitute a taking um, for that very reason alone. Um, and so uh, I'm sorry that our Commissioner Desser is not here to speak because this is uh, her neighborhood. Um, her district, but um, but I for one think that um, uh, that this is at this stage a, a, a very thoughtfully and reasonably proposed project, and I would hope that we approve it. Commissioner Lind, oh, I have a question for staff, which is, uh, what happens if the the um, wastewater permit is not approved or is approved for a smaller structure? Well, it's a governing permit. I mean, obviously, they, they won't be able right. to construct anything without the wastewater permit. And um, if they're required to build a smaller structure, um, it depends on how they do that. I mean, you know, there is an approval um, at that point. Um, and uh, if they modify that approval, then they might need to get an amendment uh, for that approval. Although, you know, often, we, we would say that a project substantially conforms to the original decision if they're removing a portion of the original, right. originally approved project. So it's, it's less likely than if they were making it larger, but it's still possible they would need to get an amendment. Okay, then the other question I had is I asked earlier about the bonding for the restoration. Um, and I, I know that typically landscaping is bonded. So, um, and code that's usually allowed in the code to establish a bond for a certain period of time for maintenance for landscape ma landscape installation and maintenance so how would dune restoration not fall I mean this is 
dune landscaping, so to speak. Could that, would there be, I mean, it seems to me that the success of the mitigation is extremely important in this case. And I don't really like, I didn't like hearing that it would be a five-year period until viability without some kind of guarantee uh, for the, the county that we would eventually see uh, a correct mitigate, correctly implemented mitigation plan. So I'm I have that concern. We actually do not bond for landscaping. Oh, bond for landscaping, Absolutely really? not, no. It's, well, it, someone should be looking it's into basically that. It's <laughs> basically to, to bond for landscaping, you'd need to take in a lot of money, um, and then you'd need to get access, if they didn't do landscaping, access to the property to plant the landscaping and then access to the property to irrigate the landscaping. And um, essentially, it's simply impossible to enforce. Um, so we have not bonded for landscaping for many years. Bonding is used by the county, but only in a very specific and narrow frame. That is when there is a subdivision with a subdivision improvement plan, okay. and uh, DPW needs to either have them install the subdivision improvements or bond, then the enforcement mechanism is they will not get the actual building permits for the construction of the homes that they would then sell until those bonds are, have been executed and um, the improvements have been built. So there's a built-in uh, uh, enforcement mechanism. But the idea of going in and, and planting um, on someone's property and making sure that it grows it's not really realistic, and so we haven't done that for years. Okay, so we don't have that tool available, which actually increases my concern with the viability of the mitigation as proposed, because I'm realistic about that five-year period, especially with potentially changing conditions, so. We would use the standard code enforcement techniques, uh, which include citations. Um, and, you know, after you get enough $500 citations, you're just going to plant the landscaping and make sure that it, that it's, that it grows. And that's a far more effective way than um, bonding for the county to go in and plant it ourselves. Any other questions? I, I had a couple questions. Um, are, were there letters from NIMFS or NOAA or the Gulf of the Fairlands that we didn't see? I did not receive those for the project. Okay. Um, the environmental review had been um, submitted. Dan, do you want to talk about the environmental review? Uh, yes, thank you. There, there were no uh, comments from NIMFS. There, there, was a, there was a comment letter from the Coastal Commission that we yep. responded to but I don't believe they were from any other agencies. Okay, thank you. Fish and Wildlife? Oh, yes, sorry, Fish and Wildlife. Cal Fish and Wildlife. Right. Mm -hmm. it the project was posted to the state clearinghouse, and that's what we received back. Any other comments or questions? Um, I think that Commissioner Curran uh, led with a proposal to approve the project. Um, I... Uh, there, so my understanding, and Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are two resolutions that we need to to vote on today, right? One is um, uh, the mitigated negative deck, and um, and the other is 
going up or down on the project itself. So, um, and, and the first resolution includes a takings analysis, which even though there are you know, two other lawyers on this uh, commission, we kind of have to um, rely on the um, opinion of county council and not substitute our own because we are not an appellate body for legal. Um, uh, so we need to rely on the legal analysis from our county council in terms of what the takings analysis has been, right? Well put. Okay. Um, so I, you know, since nobody else is, is, is stepping forward, I agree with Commissioner Curran. This originally, you know, this is a project that's been in front of us for a long time. I think the original project was over 2,000 square feet. It came to us in 2021 at, you know, 1,500 square feet. It's now, you know, been reduced. It's taken, they've taken out the garage. Um, it's, I think, to Commissioner Dickinson's point, you know, this will come up again, and that's what makes it a little dicey. I don't think it's appropriate for us to say on this particular project, on this particular parcel, which is roughly 16,000 square feet, you know, they've got a, you know, 1,200 square foot um, proposal, proposed development. If we say, well, we want it to be smaller, um, you know, where is the reasonable use analysis for takings? That is not for us to decide. I feel like as a commission, we often do this where we ask an applicant to follow our advice and reduce the project or do this and that. And in this case, the applicant has. Um, we've asked them to do, to jump through hoops. They have jumped through the hoops. I think now telling them, no, we want you to actually reduce it more. Where would we actually, you know, what, what would be a, a suitable application that we would accept? So I'm prepared to move forward with this. Um, I think that the mitigated negative, well, let's stick with the first, the first resolution, which is to uh, approve the project. I am inclined to agree with Commissioner Curran. Uh, if I could I believe we have to change the order. Right. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, also, thank I you. think um, since you brought up this legal issue, could we just ask uh, our, our attorney to, to step up briefly and? That'd be great. Thank you. That would be great. Good afternoon. Thank you, Brandon Halter, Deputy County Counsel. Um, I just wanted to mention briefly because you uh, talked about the analysis that was in the draft resolution on, its, on the issue of takings. Um, I do appreciate that this is a somewhat esoteric area of law. I just wanted to make sure that I explained that your commission has full discretion in terms of its ability to make decisions here today. So you should not feel constrained by anything that staff has presented in terms of the way the takings analysis proceeds, that is a draft. So you have um, full authority to make a, a determination and to exercise your discretion. Um, that is simply a recommendation coming from staff at, with the consultation of counsel. So I didn't want you to make you make you feel as though your hands were tied mm -hmm. on that issue. I understand that um, it is complicated. It's complicated for me, and I've been doing it for a while. So. I, I understand that perspective, but I just wanted to make sure the record was clear on that issue. 
Thank you. Do commissioners have any questions of County Council? Commissioner Stepanasesh, it looks like you're <laughs> thinking about it. So take your time. You know, the hard part here, frankly, is that um, on a takings analysis, that is really a court determination whether something is a takings or not. And I think it does put the commission into a tough position to try to decide where we draw that line. I think ultimately, and going back and forth on this issue myself, I think ultimately it does seem like the project as revised has a reasonable use of the land, and it becomes very difficult to decide exactly what the square footage should should be. And and also, the location of the floodplain is problematic, because that's why I was thinking, could the property project be moved mm -hmm. further away from the seaside, but then you put into, then it goes into the floodplain. So, um, I think in the end of the day, I am probably, I am um, good with the design as proposed, but I, I think we want to be clear in terms of precedent that this is based very much on the very unusual facts involved in this particular case. And this really should not be precedent for any of the decisions we make in the future, which need to be based upon the facts uh, presented at that time. Uh, the one other legal issue, though, on a different point that I, uh, I think does need to be addressed is uh, it's unfortunate that the um, septic tank um, uh, variance was uh, expired. And um, so my concern here is that uh, we have a condition inserted within our conditions of approval for the project that does address that specifically, that no permits may be issued for the, um, for the residents until there is a, an approval from the water district. And, and a related concern on that condition would be what happens if the water district approves something somewhat different that impacts the um, the configuration of the house and should that condition then also address how we would deal with that contingency if that happens to occur yeah one moment please Yeah, so, um, so typically, um, and partially at the request of this commission, we do not place conditions um, related to standard requirements from other agencies because those conditions are really not discretionary. They're not appealable. Uh, and um, that is true in this case as well. There is no condition for um, a septic permit to be obtained. That doesn't mean that they don't need to obtain a septic permit, but um, I think what you had said earlier was that it would be a condition of the building permit. So the building permit, there will be a hold placed on any building permit that won't, it won't be issued until they receive approval from the county water district regarding the, um, the septic system. But that's different from adding a condition to the decision that you're being asked to review today. But to what extent is the environmental review affected by the fact that it is premised right now on the fact that um, there is there is a approval for a septic system from the water district? Does that affect our environmental analysis at all now that uh, we don't have that? Because we really have an unmitigated impact, I suppose, at this point. I don't think so. I mean, the environmental review looks at the whole of the um, project, um, not the per underlying permits that are being issued for it. 
in this case, I think it was looking at you know the septic design and the review of that septic design, of course, but the fact that the um, septic permit expired during this process, I don't think really comes into play in terms of the environmental review. Now, of course, if it needs to be redesigned, that could be something different, but we have no indication of that. Um, I, sh I should also say that this is not an uncommon occurrence, that frequently people come in for the septic permit first and then they go through the planning process, and very often that septic permit um, expires during that process. So th this is like nothing new. <laughs> this happens all the time. Yeah, so in other words, staff is comfortable that um, uh, ultimately if the property owner attempted to go forward with the building permit, they're at the building permit stage, that would be a condition then of construction occurring would be that there would have to first be a, uh, an approval from the water district. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, Commissioner Dickinson. Jeremy, I assume the septic permit was, uh, the, the septic system was designed for the originally proposed house, which was over 2,000 square feet. Is that correct? I mean, that's the plan that was around at that time? Um, my understanding of the variance approval is that it was approved at like the lowest daily flow. Right. Um, so like the the house or the septic system is designed to um, accommodate like the lowest kind of like capacity. Right, yeah, 150 a three gallons a day or something. So it's based on bedrooms. Mm -hmm. The original proposal though was like three bedrooms and now it's one. Anyway, that's, again, that's... Yeah, I don't, yeah, it, uh, uh, one thing, EH, Environmental Health Services and County Water District may have different standards for how they review them. Um, so I'm not, I'm afraid I'm not really sure whether the, how to, how to answer the question at the moment. Like right now, the plan does show a den with a closet and under at least historic environmental health interpretation, that counts as a bedroom because it has a closet then. From what I recall, dealing with them, but yeah, the Saint Beach County Water District may look at that differently, though. So. Okay, let me do. In, in terms of the merits of the application, um, if we are going to vote today, I am certainly not comfortable uh, making the takings findings that are required to approve the permit. Without the takings findings, we can't get to the approval of the permit, and I. I'm not prepared to do that. So I would, if there is a motion to to actually approve it, um, I would vote against that. Okay, our first, I think our f the first thing that we need to look at is the resolution approving the um, coastal permit, I mean the, sorry, the uh, mitigated negative DAC. So um, do I have a motion on that? Or do we wanna discuss that? We need to take that first, or are we not ready to? I'm, I'm prepared to do it, but I, I, I just had a, a question for Commissioner Dickinson, yep. if I may. Um, uh, so what, what further are we looking for with the takings analysis? I'm, I'm, I'm just a little puzzled why you find it inadequate. Because I don't think adequate uh, analysis has occurred as ter in terms of alternative ways of developing the property. Um, to avoid the ESHO, <laughs> which is one of the reasons that we have to make the taking findings in order to prove something is not consistent consistent with the ESHO policies. But so you're not, not convinced? 
Yeah, and I think it does involve the septic system too, and it may end up, I mean, at this point there's been three years experience with septic systems and sea level rise and ocean erosion and all. And the approach to an appropriate septic system may be different in terms of location and design and size. And um, you just have to make that takings finding. And again, I'm really concerned about the precedent here because this is the type of issue we will be seeing uh, more of in the future. And I'm just not ready to take that step at this point to make the required findings to approve it. Thank you. I would I would um, move approval of the mitigated negative declaration for 21 Calle de Landa. Okay, Commissioner Curran has um, moved to approve the resolution approving the um, the Johnson Trust Coastal Permit subsequent mitigated negative deck. Is there a second? Yes, I, I, I second that with the changes made by staff to the resolution. Right, subject to, I mean, the, with the amendments. Okay, Commissioner Stepanisich has seconded. All in favor? Aye. 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 Oh, do Aye. we want to roll call? Let's roll yeah. call. Um, no, and mainly because this resolution is very specific to this particular project. And it's not, uh, that's where I have a problem with the negative declaration. Okay. Aye. No. No. Aye. All right. Well, we're stuck. <laughs> we need Chris. Um, okay. So that, I mean, a motion fails basically because we're tied. So. May I make a motion Get to continue the date when we can have a full commission? Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to think. It's not an appeal. I mean, if it were an appeal then a tie vote um, goes with the recommendation. But this is not an appeal. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it takes a majority vote to approve it. Otherwise, yep. it's not approved. Right. I, I think that's right. And we can't take any further action without the environmental review being approved. So it does seem to me we'd have to want to further consider this. We'd have to continue to another meeting. Yeah, I don't see an, uh, an option. Yeah, Commissioner Moran, yes. I just would like to add from my uh, perspective as a newer commissioner, I would like to see more of the documents that were submitted so that I'm more just more informed on making a decision. I feel like there is bits and pieces missing um, from the previous hearings or the previous meetings that there were that I, I have no idea. So that I, I can see that the... Um, the owners, you know, make changes to the plan, and they're definitely, like you said, we're jumping through the hoops trying to get it done, but that I still feel like there is a gap of information that I don't have to make that informed decision. 
okay, we will review the information that's been provided and see if there's any gaps. And of course, if you are aware that there's particular something specific that you're looking for that we you don't have, we're more than happy to to try and find that and get that to you. So, yeah. So the first um, resolution on the mitigated neg deck basically fails for a majority. Um, do do we still vote on the second re second resolution? I don't think no, so. No, at right? this point you just yeah. vote to continue. Okay. So Commissioner Curran has proposed that we continue this hearing until a date where we can have a more a fuller a broader complement of our commission, including Commissioner Desser. Yeah, um, that's going to be hard. I mean, I, I don't know if that we can continue to a date when we have seven commissioners. Right? Yeah, I mean, you can continue to uh, the next hearing. Okay. And why don't you just do that? So, uh, but then, of course, if we don't have um, everyone available, then um, we'll pull it. <laughs> yep. Right. So. Okay. So let's. So. That'll be the. The motion is to continue the hearing until the next meeting, which is October. Uh, October, which is August fourteenth. Yeah. Second. Second. You first did. I'll second. <laughs> yeah, you first did. I'll second. Commissioner Lynn seconded. A motion. Come on. Um, all, all in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Any opposed? Thank you. We stand adjourned. Thank you all. Thank you. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That was interesting. There is a session of president.